messages in our archives on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. So, <coughs> excuse me, we will have our uh, Sunday evening Bible study here in just a little while at 6 o'clock on Effortless Change as well as our Bible study on Wednesday night on uh, the Believer's Authority at 7 o'clock. So, on, uh, anyway, you can join us there. Well, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and jump into our message this, uh, this afternoon. Um, I keep saying this morning because this was actually intended to be recorded this morning, but like I said, we had some challenges and we're doing a re-recording uh, now. So, we've been talking about the exp experiencing the spirit of faith. We're not just talking about faith. We're talking about experiencing the spirit of faith. And we're going to jump into that. Uh, here at the beginning, I'll do a little bit of recap from the last two weeks and then jump into some new territory as we talk about Abraham today. So... Our key verse here in 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. <coughs> We've been talking about these last couple of weeks, two main points, that we have the spirit of faith. We're not trying to get it. If you're born again, you have the spirit of faith. You have faith. Faith is brought in is one of the fruit of the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, some people will realize that some translations call it faith, and some translations call it faithfulness. And, you know, I'm okay with either one. First of all, the, the Greek word means full of faith. Uh, but even if you don't capture that, you know, if your faith is not faithful, if your faith is not steadfast, if it's wavering, then it's not faith. It, it won't work, and we'll get into that a little bit later when we look at Abraham. Uh, you know, there's a steadfastness to faith. You know, it's, 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 there's an unwavering of faith. Uh, not only do we have the spirit of faith, but the spirit of faith that we have that speaks. It's a speaking spirit. It's a speaking uh, virtue of being born again. <coughs> Excuse me. We, like we were saying, and there's a lot of different ways we can say this, but in us, we already have the life of God, we have the nature of God, we have the light of God, we have the glory of God, we have the spirit of God, we have the power of God, we have the virtue of God, we are, we have the victory of Christ, we are born of God. And so, we have in us the spirit of faith. And the spirit of faith we have, it speaks, it's, it's, <coughs> excuse me, it's a speaking spirit. There are some things we will say, we will speak what we believe. You know, um, in other words, we can tell what you really believe by what you say. You know, there's sometimes I'm ministering to people, sometimes even ourselves when we're going through something. But, uh, you know, what some people may they'll acknowledge uh, that God does heal and that God does provide and Lord God, God does answer their prayer. But they'll spend the whole 15, 20, 30 minutes talking about a problem and very little bit about the Word of God or, or the promise of God. Whereas some people, they will, yeah, they'll acknowledge they have a problem. This is the symptoms. This is what the doctor said. This is what their bank accounts are saying. But then they'll spend the whole 15, 20, 30 minutes talking about what God says about the problem. And so we're not just acknowledging that God can heal, but what you really believe is what you're going to say. That's what you're going to focus on saying. And so you know, you can believe, but you can also have unbelief. And which one is talking? Which one is going to govern the conversation? 
which one is, are you really focused on? And so, you know, the, 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 we have the spirit of faith, and the spirit of faith we have that speaks. Because I have the spirit of faith, there are some things I'm going to say. I'm going to say some things. I'm going to speak. I, I'm going to speak what God has said. What God says about the situation. What God says about me. What God says about you. I'm going to speak what God says. I'm going to speak what the Word of God says. I'm going to speak the promises of God. I'm going to speak the grace of God uh, regarding the situation, regarding you, regarding me. And so, I have the spirit of faith, and because because I have the spirit of faith, it's going to change how I speak. And not just one time, not just... I mean, you know, I'm not saying these things to impress somebody. That's not how faith works. I'm not impressing somebody. I just know, I believe that God heals. I believe that God uh, is my salvation. And so, uh, I'm not doing this to impress anybody. I'm not doing this to, to prove I have faith, in a sense. It's just coming out. It's just oozing out. It's a, it's a cause and effect. It's a, you know, if I have this, this is going to happen. You know, I expect when I turn the key in the car... It's going to start up. I expect when I turn the key in the, in, the, in, the, in the front door, it's going to unlock and open up for me. I expect when I hit the switch on the lights, they're going to turn on. You know, the lights won't turn on until I hit the switch. And Andrew Womack teaches a lot about faith. He talks about you just flip the switch. You know, you're not the power source. You're not the Edison company. You're not the electrical company. You're not, well, now you just have to, to, to uh, flip the switch. And so, you know, uh, we're speaking out of the abundance of our heart. We're not making it happen. We are just, it's just, it's just oozing out. It's just a kind of effect, you know. And so, it's like, the, it's called the seed of faith. You know, if you sow corn, you're going to get corn. If you sow corn, don't expect to, <coughs> excuse me, don't, don't expect tomatoes. You're going to get what you sow. Whatever you put into your thoughts and mind in abundance is what you're going to say. We talked about this in Matthew where Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. What are you putting into your mind? What are you putting into your heart in abundance? Is it the word of God? Is it the news? Is it philosophy? Is it society by Facebook? Is it, is it religious traditions? Jesus said, by your traditions, you make the word of God of no effect. So what are you putting into your mind and your thoughts, your heart? What are you putting in in abundance? The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. So we need to make sure that we're putting the word of God in our heart in abundance. We've said this before, but Andrew Womack has many uh, healing uh, testimonials, uh, our, our life journeys, and there's you no know, testimonials. And you'll, you'll see one common thread in all these uh, testimonials is that these people consume themselves with the Word of God. If they need a healing, they need a life turnaround, they need a provision, whatever it was, they consume themselves with the Word of God in that, on that subject matter. And, that, and they put that, that Word of God on the thing that they're uh, seeking God for in abundance, and it just began to come out. Their conversations, they were not talking about the problem all the time. They were talking about the word, what the Word of God says about the problem. And we can get so consumed with the things going on in our world, through philosophy, through society, and that's what we're speaking in abundance. We might acknowledge God. We might not have a straight from God, but 
what's what's oozing out of our mouth. If you're going to listen to news all day long, that news is going to ooze out of your mouth all the time. And so, and we've seen that happen. We've seen that happen on Facebook. You know, there's some people I really love and admire, you know, but lately, uh, and I understand there's some things that we need to be said and things that need to be said. But I'm hearing more about the news and I'm hearing more about what's going on in the world oozing out of the Facebook posts than I am hearing about the Word of God. That's backwards, you know. And so, um, uh, you know, our philosophies, our news is not going to change the world. The Word of God will. The Spirit of God will. The Spirit of faith will change the world. And so I understand there's some things that we need to say and, and, and from a political point of view and follow the problems that we have in our world because we haven't been saying enough. That's, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to get political on us, but at the same point in time, you know, we need to say what God says about the situation, not our own philosophies and whatnot, okay? Again, Proverbs 18, 21 says, The death of life are the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There's life and death in your tongue, and I want to, I want to capitalize on the, on the life and the things that I say. And, and I'm not going to say those things, in abundance if I'm not putting the Word of God in my heart in abundance, or I don't have a relationship with the Word of abundance. You know, I'm going to default to what my own emotions want to say. I'm going to default on other things. And so uh, that, uh, so we need to capitalize on that. We talked a lot, a lot about the last two weeks from Second Corinthians chapter 4. Two weeks ago we spent uh, most of our time in that, in that section. But I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to pick up verse 8. It says, We have our heart pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. And it's in that context that we have our, faith, our, our key verse here. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. I also believe and therefore speak. In other words, we are going to keep believing God in the face of challenges, in the face of difficulties, in the face of problems and persecutions. Anything that gets coming against us, we are going to keep believing God. We might be hard-pressed. We're not destroyed. We're going to keep believing God. We must choose to fix, it's a choice, to fix our eyes. <coughs> not on the problems, not on the storm, not on ourselves or mankind. We must fix our eyes, our focus on the Word of God, the promise of God, the things of God, and the glory of God. We have the spirit of faith, and the spirit of faith speaks. Okay, I have the spirit of faith, and I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak what God says about the situation. I'm going to speak what God says about you. I'm going to speak what God says about me. I'm not going to get into the flesh. I, will, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh if I walk in the spirit. I have the spirit of faith, and the spirit of faith speaks. I'm going to speak what God says about the situation. Okay? And, okay, let's go back here. And we mentioned last week how, uh, you know, according to what, uh, and since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, Paul here in 2 Corinthians 4 is quoting from David what he wrote. And he wrote this. Where did he write this? We went there the last couple of weeks, but in Psalm 116, uh, verse 10, this is what David said, I believe therefore I spoke. But in the previous verses, uh, even before verse 8, but I just have verse 8 recorded here, David says some very praiseworthy, uh, faithful sayings about God. And, uh, you know, and, and it's in that context that he makes this phrase that Paul quotes from, I believe and therefore I spoke. But when did David speak? He said, I am greatly afflicted. <laughs> he also spoke to men of great things. 
you know, in context, and they seem to be contradictory, they seem to contradict each other, but we took this to also to Hebrews chapter 10, where the writer of Hebrews says, but to call to remembrance of former days in which, after ye were eliminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. How do we know we are in a fight? A fight of faith, okay? And then goes on to say, cast out away that for your confidence which hath great recompense of reward. Yes, we are in a fight, but we cannot cast off our confidence, our faith, in, uh, because it has a great recompense of reward. Now, I'm going a little fast here, because I'm just kind of recapping some things, but then I'll slow down when I get to Abraham. Sometimes, and we talked about this the last two weeks, sometimes you will receive a great affliction attack in the area where you are believing God. See, when you heard the Word of God, when you believed the Word of God, when you stood on the Word of God, when you spoke the Word of God, you became a, th a threat to the devil's kingdom and a great potential for God's kingdom. The opposite of that is true. When you are not hearing God's Word, when you are not believing God's Word, when you are not standing and speaking God's Word, you, be you are not a threat to the devil's kingdom. And in, in, in that attitude, you are not a great potential for God's kingdom. Okay? So with this, we looked at David, we looked at him in Psalm 116, which I just talked about, but we also took a look at David in, in, in 1 Samuel 17. This is the scene with David fighting, it, it faces Goliath. And in this, we, in this, in this scene, I'm not going to rehash the whole story, but just I'm going to uh, summarize it here. Saul and his army were shaking their laboose for 40 days. David comes on the scene, and he, this little boy shows up and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David responded to the situation different than the, the Saul and his entire army did for 40 days. David just comes on the scene, obeying his papa, bringing some cheese and crackers to his brothers and his commanders, and, 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 and that he kind of gets the, the, the what for you know, but when you are anointed by God, and we're going to be talking about God's anointing in, in, the, in the new series after we're done with this one, but when you are anointed by God, you're going to look at things differently. You're going to think differently. You're going to act differently. You're going to speak differently. Why? Because of the anointing of God. And David was anointed. You and I have anointing, okay? And his brothers ridiculed him. Saul questioned him. Goliath derided him. But David kept speaking the word of God. You might have people who, you might have your own family, your loved ones. They love you dearly, but they still might ridicule you. They still might question you. And you might have enemies who are deriding you. But you keep speaking the word of God. Okay? And when the devil talks trash to you, tries to get you to stop believing God, you talk back. And you have God's permission to talk back to the devil. How many of you know that our, it's not our, going back to this slide, it's not our brother who is our enemy. It's not our King Saul or our boss or our parents or those in authority who are our enemy. It's not our enemies who are our enemies as far as a Goliath, a human being. We have an enemy called the devil. Our, our weapon is not against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Peter, I use this example of Peter all the time. Peter, in one breath, gave a revelation that Jesus was the Christ, and Jesus commended him, saying, This is not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the Spirit of God. In the very next breath, he basically tells Jesus not to go to the cross, not fully understanding the cross at that time, and 
And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Get behind me, Satan. Peter did not in one millisecond become demon possessed. Okay? Uh, Satan can use even good Christian leaders and family to ridicule, question, or even deride you. Okay? But at the same point in time, you're not talking back to people, you're talking back to the devil. Okay? And any weapon, any weapon formed against you shall not prosper. Any word that rises up against, against you in judgment, you can condemn. You're not condemning the person, you're condemning the word. Okay? But when the devil talks trash to you, you just start speaking, you just start talking back. Stop telling God about your problems and start telling your problems about your God. Speak. Stop talking about your problems. Stop talking about your God. Okay? Not only did we look at David, but we also looked at God. And that God, God also has faith. We don't necessarily think this, but God, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith the worlds were formed. You know, God, and we looked at this in Genesis chapter 1, and we saw that just like we have the faith, spirit of faith, the spirit and the spirit of faith speaks, when God believes, God speaks. God, do you think God believes himself? Do you think God believes his own word? Do you think God, we're born of God. We have the same spirit as God. We have the spirit of God in us. And the, and the spirit of faith, the spirit of God is a spirit of faith, and it speaks, just like God speaks. And when, when God created the earth, it was without form and void, with no purpose. And the Spirit of God hovered over the earth, kind of like a hand hover over their parades for them to hatch. And when God spoke, and then God began to speak. And when God speaks, we have nine times in Genesis chapter 1 where God spoke. And things came into being. Okay? We have the same spirit of faith. But even in this context of creation, you know, you were born again, and the Spirit of God comes into on the side of you. You were are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, Ephesians 2.10. And God has a perfect plan for your life. Your life is not destined to be formless and void. God has a plan for you. He says in, in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, that I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and to help you. You will call upon me, you will pray to me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. God has a plan for you. God doesn't have your plan. You might have messed up. You might have made a left turn when God said, stay straight. You might have made a mess of your life. You might have... <coughs> like Abraham created an Ishmael, so you created a whole mess. You, it might be a lot of things. You might be like Saul. You're actually killing the Christians instead of seeing them get saved and born again. You know, you can you you can make a mess of your life, like David with Bathsheba and different things. But God does not have a plan for you. You might even claim that you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. It doesn't matter what your history is. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what other people done. I'm not excusing those things. What I'm saying, God has a plan for your life. God can it doesn't have a his plan is not that your life be formless and void. He has a destiny. He has a plan. He has anointing. He has a calling. He has a purpose for your life. And he, uh, it might seem like it's formless and void, but God is going to speak, and He's going to speak life into your life. When you are born again, not only is your spirit of Christ, uh, the spirit of Christ in you, the oil, and the spirit of God comes on you, the wine. We talked about the oil wine in our previous series. There is anointing 
on your life. And the Spirit of God is in you. The anointing of God is in you. The anointed one is in you. And you are born of God. And because you're born of God, you have the same spirit of, that even God has. And that spirit speaks. We talked a lot about Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to talk about more about this even today. But by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself is the gift of God. You are not saved by yourself. You can't help yourself. You can't change yourself. You can't change your circumstances. You can't change your situation. You are saved by grace. And a lot of people will preach on grace, but they don't preach on faith. And a lot of people will preach on faith and won't preach on grace. You can't have either or. You need your... If not, you are not the source. The source is God's grace, but this grace is voice activated. You have to believe it. You have to receive it. It's grace, but by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. You are not the grace. You are not the source. It's not performance. And, and faith is not performance. Faith is a noun. It's not a verb. It's, and, and so that faith has an object, and that faith is, is grace. Okay? It takes two things. Two things to get the plan of God, the grace of God, working in your life. <coughs> God has a plan for your life. You know, your life is not formless and void, but it takes two. Th <coughs> Excuse me, two things to get that grace working in your life. You need His grace, and His grace was already there. The, the supply is there before the need. Aren't you glad? When God created the heavens and the earth, when God created uh, the earth, God didn't create man on the first day. Otherwise, man would just be floating around in space. God waited till there was an earth. He waited till there was a ground. He waited till there was vegetation so he had something to eat. He waited till he made land so man was not swimming, swimming for a couple days. He waited till there was a complete earth and all creation. Then on the last day, he created man. God, when He recreated us in Christ Jesus, He He waited till He did everything through Christ Jesus, and He He made us a new creation in Christ Jesus. Everything we need is in Christ. Everything we need on this earth, God created it before He even created man. God had a plan for your life, and all everything I'm describing in God's creation is His grace, and you receive it by faith. You operate in it by faith. <coughs> You activate it by faith. It takes faith to activate the grace of God that is on your life. The grace is from God. It's not your performance. A lot of people think when I talk about these things that I'm talking about performance. No, that's not how it works. The grace is from God. It's not your performance. But faith is a now. It's not a burden. It's not something you do. His grace is voice activated. One of my key verses for this is Romans chapter 10, verses 9 10, where it talks about how we, we believe with our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. When someone gets saved, they need to believe it in their heart and confess it. Anyone can confess something. Anyone can recite something. I'm not looking for someone to recite a prayer per se. I'm not looking for them to recite something. I'm looking that they believe in their heart and they can, that confession just oozes out of them. When I water baptize someone, which is a symbolic of someone receiving Christ and becoming born again. I want to hear, not just that they can recite the right words and quote the right verses. I want to know that they know that they know Jesus Christ died for my sins and he rose again 
and uh, he's, he's offered me eternal life. I want to hear that confession. I want to hear I, I, you can When someone is confessing something they believe, it, you can see it in their body language. You can see it in their tone of their voice. You can see it. I'm not just looking for the right words. I'm looking that for that belief. And I believe we'll speak a confession. And racism is, is voice activated by faith. There was grace on David's life. Going back to David just for a moment. He was anointed to be king of Israel. To be, to deliver, he was he had the destiny of delivering Israel and to bring freedom. But when things came against him, he acted like God. And he began to speak the word of God. He was called, as a shepherd, he was called to, to, to watch over his dad's, dad's sheep. And when the lion on the bear came, he protected it by the word of God. When he went to go, obey, obeying his dad, he went to go bring chains of crackers to his brethren and their commanders. He, and, and he heard Goliath, he began to speak. He acted like God, and he began to speak the word of God over the situation. Okay? There is a grace on all creation. God is, has spoken his purpose into existence. And it didn't, creation did not just happen by osmosis. I'm okay with the big grain, big bang theory in this in this regard that God spoke and bang it happened. But it didn't just happen by osmosis. It didn't just happen by chance. No. It, 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 God's grace was in there. There's a grace available to you through Jesus Christ. But if you want to operate in His grace, if you want to operate in healing and divine healing and divine wholeness, if you want to operate in the blessings of God and the purposes of God, if you, it takes faith to voice activate His grace. His grace is there. You can't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to supply it. You, all you can do is receive it. All you can do is activate it. But if it does not just happen because you showed up, God's grace is just not manifested and activating your life because you show up. You have to believe it. If it, if it just happened uh, by osmosis, if it just happened because you show up, everyone would be walking in salvation. Everyone would be walking in healing and provision. But everyone's not walking in these things. It doesn't just happen. You have to believe it. You have to receive it by faith, His grace. Not everyone is believing God, yet everyone can. Not everyone will believe God, but everyone can. But somebody like David will believe God. Someone like David will believe the covenant relationship he has with God. Someone will believe who God is and will rise up and speak as the oracles of the living God. Everyone believing God. That's why Paul says in Romans 1, 16-17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is it not will be, it not could be, it's not part of, it is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation, soteria, means to be whole, it means to be delivered, it means to be healed, it means to be prospered. To, and this, the salvation is available to everyone that believes. God's gospel, the power of God, salvation is available to everyone who believeth. And I love the King James because it ends with an if. It means to believe and continue to believe. And for this gospel, this gospel of Christ, it reveals the righteousness of God. And this righteousness we're going to talk about in just a few moments is from it's revealed from faith to faith. Because the just, the righteous, you and I who have received Christ, we live by faith. This is how we live. It's in Him that we live and we move and we have our being. 
we live by faith. God, Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I live, I live by the faith of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We live by this faith. This is how we operate in life. This is how we operate in his grace. This is how his grace and his life is manifested in our lives. Since we have the same, we don't have a different spirit of faith. We have the same spirit of faith as David, as God does. And according to what is written, I believe that for us, but we also believe, and therefore we speak. Paul also said it this way in Romans 10, but for whatever it says, the word is near you. And now, your heart, this is the word of faith which we preach. I talked more about that last week. I'm not going to go into all that this week. God can't do anything without your agreement. Otherwise, everyone would be saved. Everyone would be healed. Everyone would be prospering. And everyone would be walking in freedom. But that is not the case. So how did you receive salvation? How did you receive righteousness? You heard the gospel. You believed the gospel. You confess that Jesus is your Lord, your agreement, and you receive his grace. You receive his salvation. You receive righteousness. Paul said it this way, Colossians, as ye have therefore received Christ. Did you receive Christ because you had it all together? Did you receive Christ because you kept all the commandments? No, you received Christ because Jesus died for you. You heard the gospel. You heard that he was your propitiation. You heard that he died for you. You received that message and you believed it and you became saved. The same way, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And there's a call in him. How do we walk in him? We walk in him being rooted and built up in him and being established in not just a faith, but the faith. The faith of God, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. We experience the, sp the spirit of faith. That's what we're talking about in this whole series, experiencing the spirit of faith. We hear the word of God in abundance. We believe the word of God by faith, and we speak the word of God. That's our response. That's our confession. That's our agreement. Okay, now I'm going to slow down a little bit, and we're going to talk about Abraham. We did talk a little bit about this last week, so a little bit this will be a little bit of recap. But in Romans chapter 4, <clears throat> Paul is talking about righteousness by grace through faith. <clears throat> and there, there, we're going to go through the book of Romans chapter 4. And so, uh, briefly here, but let's get our key verse, and then we're going to go back and we, we look at some things. And it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Abraham here. And in the presence of him, whom he, Abraham, believed God, who gives life to the dead, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Abraham believed God. Who's God? God is the one who gives life to the dead, and he, is a, he calls those things which do not exist as though they are. We talked about this briefly last week in the sense that God spoke in Genesis chapter 1, nine different times, and he called those things which did not exist. Light didn't exist, and he created it as though it did. Uh, the oceans, the stars, the planets, nothing existed. Mankind did not exist until God calls the things which did not exist as though they did. And this is the God that Abraham believed in. God, Abraham believed in God. When God told him that he was going to be a father of many nations at 75, and then again at age 90, and then again at age 99, 25 years he'd been speaking this word. Even though he spoke something, he spoke, he's, 
God spoke something that did not exist in Abraham's life. But he spoke it as though it did. He says, I have made you a father of many nations. That was God speaking to things that did not exist as though they were. The same way he did in creation. <coughs> and this is the key. Abraham believed God. Even though Abraham knew that he didn't have a child outside of Ishmael, who was a little illegitimate child. And we'll talk about that in a minute. He believed God what God said. Despite the circumstances. Despite what it looked like. Despite what was, wasn't happening. Uh, he believed God. Okay? We're going to come back to that. King James says it's almost the same way. But he picks up here, whom he believed, whom quickened the dead, and caused the things which be not as though they were. Okay? So we, we're going to talk we're talking about Abraham, but let's, we're still talking about God in here and in this. In Genesis 1, we, we have the creation story. But here in Romans 4.17, Paul says that God calls the things that are not as though they were. Same thing he did in Genesis 1. He said that in Genesis 17 regarding Abraham. Okay? But he also says in Isaiah 46 that he declared the end from the beginning and from the ancient times that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. There's a lot here. I'm not going to go into all this teaching. What I'm trying to emphasize is not only that God calls the things which are not as they were in Genesis chapter 1. Paul quotes that and repeats that in Romans 4.17, which we're going to spend more time. We're going to spend a lot of our time together in the book of Romans chapter 4. Isaiah 46 also declares that God declares the end from the beginning. This is God. He has the spirit of faith and he speaks. He calls the things that are not who they are and he declares the end from the beginning. We are made in the image of God. That's how God is. We are made in the image of God. <coughs> we are born of God. We are filled with the fullness of God. I give you a lot of scriptures to support all that. And we have the same spirit of faith as God does, as Abraham does, as David does. And we, excuse me, believe and therefore we speak. I mentioned this last week. There's a spiritual realm and there's also a natural realm. There's this, folks, the spiritual realm is more real. We live in a natural world, but there's a spiritual force. There's a spiritual realm that is more real. There's the things that we can hear, see, taste, and smell and feel. Okay? If all you ever, but if all you ever do is say what you see <coughs> in the natural realm, all you ever have is what you see and say in the natural realm. How many know that we live by faith and not by sight? The just shall live by his faith. The life that we live, we live by the faith in God who loved us and gave himself for us. But if we flip this, but if you will begin to say what you have, we have the spirit of faith. We have healing. We have, there's a lot of things. There's over 300 scriptures in the New Testament alone about what we have in Christ Jesus. If we begin to say the things that we have in the spirit realm, the spiritual realm has the power to change the, what is in the natural realm. Okay? We have the spirit of faith, and the spirit of faith we have is peace. We are in the image of God, made in the image of God. We are born of God. We have the, the fullness of God on the other side of this. And we have the same spirit of faith and we believe and therefore we speak. So here again, in Romans 4.17, Abraham believes God who gives life to the dead and calls the saints which do not exist as though they are. 
he quotes this in Romans 4. We're going to spend time, like I said, here in Romans 4. But he, he's actually quoted from Genesis 17. So let's look at that briefly. In Genesis 17, 5, we'll spend a little more time in Genesis 17, a little bit later too. But no longer, God comes to Abraham. This is actually the third time he's come to Abraham in, in a matter of uh, a few different chapters. He says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be called, it shall be Abraham, for I have, I have made you a father of many nations. Abraham is 99 years old in this chapter. We can see that in chapter 1, and we'll get there a little bit later. But he says, I have made you a father of many nations. He's 99 years old. And he says, I've made you a father of many nations. We're talking about a God who calls those things as not as though they are. Okay? In other words, God's telling Abram, this is what I created you to be. This is what I called you to be. This is what I've anointed and appointed you to be. But how many of us know that sometimes what God has created and called us to be is different than what is happening in the natural realm? Some of the things that God has anointed and appointed for us and planned for our life and destined for our life is different than what is happening in the natural realm. He tells them, this is what I have made you a father of many nations. He wasn't experiencing this in the natural realm, but in the spiritual realm, this was already true. And Abraham, we're going to see, especially in Romans 4, Abraham believed God. Even though he didn't see it, he's 99 years old. He's had this prophecy from God for 25 years. He's still believing God. Okay? God spoke this word to Abraham in Genesis 12 when he was 75. <coughs> he spoke this word to him again in Genesis 15 when he was 90. And he speaks it here again in Genesis 17 when he's 99 years old. Yet, up until this time, Abraham was fatherless except for Ishmael. Who's Ishmael? Ishmael was Abraham and Sarah trying to produce God's promise on their own. You know, many times we minister to people, this has happened to ourselves many times, where people hear the word of God and they get excited. And there's nothing wrong with those first two things. You, should, you know, if you don't get excited when God speaks to you, your wood's wet. Okay? We should be getting excited when God speaks to us. And there's nothing wrong with hearing God. You can have faith without any word God. The whole, the, the whole purpose of life is having a relationship with God. And him, <coughs> you know, growing up, when I used to read my Bible, some of my favorite verses were not so much all the miracles and stuff, even though I enjoyed those. I just enjoyed hearing God spoke to so-and-so and spoke so-and-so spoke to God. It was real. It was authentic. It was organic, if you want to use it that way. It was just real. But people hear, but many times people, people hear, hear the word, get a word from God, they get excited, and then they, this is where they flip it. This is where they make a mistake. They try to help God out in their own natural strength. And they get in the flesh, and they create a huge mess. Ishmael was a mess. Most of the turmoil we see in the Middle East towards Israel came from Ishmael. You know, and so it's still, that problem still exists today. And Paul talks about that in Galatians 4.29. Okay. You cannot make the word happen. That is why Paul is using this example in Romans 4. He's using this example of Abraham. You can't make the word of God happen. There's no way in the natural world that Abraham and Sarah could have a child. 
it was impossible. They were, they were, you know, uh, it just come and gone. Childbearing season has come and gone. It was their womb, their childbearing and uh, capabilities was just it was gone. It was dead. And Ishmael was not God's promise through Hagar. God's promise was through Sarah, Isaac. Okay, and so many of us are trying God's promise as an Isaac, but we are trying to produce an Ishmael in our own strength, and we are making a huge mess. Okay, God came into a death situation and spoke a word of life. Abraham, but yet Abraham believed that God would believe that word, and that word changed the natural reality. It even says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, that when God uh, told, uh, told him the offer of Isaac, that, they, that Abraham reasoned that God could raise his son, his son from the dead. He believed God. God spoke into a dead situation, but Abraham believed that word, and that word that he believed changed the natural reality. <clears throat> See, Jesus said this way in John 6, 63, It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh promises nothing. But the word that I speak to you, they are spirit of life. When you get in the flesh and create an Ishmael, it doesn't profit anything. It actually makes a mess. <clears throat> and the word, but the words that God speaks to us, they are spirit and they are life. We have the spirit of faith, and that spirit of faith speaks. We have the spirit of faith. And we have the words of God. We have the words of life that speak... And, and they are spirit. They are life. They're not dead. We have the power of life and death in the tongue. I don't know if you can capture that, but we are born of God. And we have the same spirit of faith. And we speak the spirit of God. We speak the life of God. We can speak the word of God. Okay? Salvation, righteousness. We're going to talk about this briefly today in context of Romans chapter 4 today. But it was absolutely impossible for you to save yourself. You could not make yourself right with God. You couldn't make yourself righteous. You couldn't make you couldn't save yourself. You were alienated from the life of God. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Salvation is not a self-help program. Salvation is not the be the best you can be program. Salvation is a radical intervention in, of an impossible situation. You, even worse than Abraham and Sarah with their beyond childbearing age. So regarding salvation and righteousness, you, you and I, there was no hope. We were alienated from the life of God. We were destined for hell. We deserved hell. Salvation is a radical intervention in a possible situation. Now we're still talking about Abraham, but I want to look at the disciples with this, based on this statement I just made. But the disciples, you know, they were walking with Jesus for three and a half years. They were kind of like the little rascals. They were a little motley crew. You know? And we, we, we look at the disciples. We get on Peter for denying Jesus three times. But they all fled. They all ran for their lives. And yet, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, to the south of the cross, this is after Pentecost, it says, Now when they, the religious leaders, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. You know, 
When God, I'm going to go back a couple slides, when God radically changes your life and gives you salvation, and He comes to your life, the life that you now live, you live by the faith of God who loved you and gave yourself for you, you people are gonna, should marvel and see that you have Jesus, that you've been with Jesus. That was a major transformation between what Peter and John were like just, a, just 10 days earlier before the cross. And they were actually 50 days earlier. 50 days to Pentecost and whatnot. But there's a big difference between these men. That's just like a couple of months earlier. These guys just change because there's a radical intervention of the life of God in their lives. The disciples, there was a radical notable difference in the disciples after the cross. That's the new covenant. The resurrection. They became born again. You don't. You can't become born again until you have the new covenant. You can't have the new covenant until you cross. You have the cross. And then they also had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They had these two things, uh, and they there was a radical, noticeable difference in their lives, in their ministry, in their lives, in their behavior. They were bold. They weren't running for their lives. They were bold as lions. Okay, going back to Abraham, he's talking about rights of God by faith in Romans chapter four. And that's where we're going to go now, as we're we're going to look at that chapter seventeen. But let's go back to our key verse for this chapter, for this section. Abraham believed God who gives life to the dead and calls the things that they know exist as though they did. Let's go back to the beginning of the chapter. We'll pick it up verse 3. But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. In God's accounting, there are only two realms. Either righteousness and unrighteousness, saint or sinner, saved or lost, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. Either you have Jesus or you don't. Either you're saved or you're lost. There's only two realms. Just like there's only two genders. There's only two, you know, it's black or it's white type of thing. You know, uh, we're talking, what we're talking about right now, we're talking about how Abraham believed God and God accounted for righteousness. God's accounting system, there's only two kingdoms. There's only two kinds of people. There's only sheep or there goats. There's only those, those who are lost and those who are saved. Okay? In Colossians, uh, Paul says it this way, God has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Salvation, we also know, it not only means wholeness, it not only means healing and provision, it also means deliverance. God saved us. He delivered us from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. But going back to Romans, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as, as grace but as a debt. But of him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Okay, what's, what's going on here? Paul, in this chapter, Romans chapter 4, is talking about grace and faith. Now, sometimes, by talking about these two things together, I either make the grace people unhappy because I'm talking about faith, or I make the faith people unhappy because I'm also talking about grace. It's not grace or faith, it's grace and faith. And Abraham's talking, I mean, Paul's talking about this in Romans chapter 4. He has two main examples of this, Abraham and David. Abraham is an example of faith, where David's an example of grace, provision, okay? Both are required. We need grace and faith. 
You have to have grace and faith to receive salvation. You have to have grace and faith to receive redemption. You have to have grace and faith to receive a blessing, any of the promises of God, healing, miracles, grace and faith. Okay? <coughs> Romans, going back to Romans, just as David, now he's using David, I told you two examples here, he's using David right now, just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. David, he was in the Old Testament, before Christ, before the cross. He had a, revel <coughs> he had a revelation of the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness. Okay? David, what does he say? David, Paul's quoting from David, he says, The blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. You know, sometimes people think we're weird because we're saying that God doesn't impute sin. David had a revelation of this. And this was in the Old Testament. I've got to give you some other scriptures where God, God talks about this elsewhere. But, you know, this word uh, impute is a counting term. He says the Lord will not impute sin. If you have a credit card and you charge that credit card, that charge is imputed to your account. When you have, when you make a payment on that credit card, <coughs> excuse me, that credit card is imputed to your account. God and David is talking about God's grace, where God does not impute our sins to us anymore because of Jesus. He calls it the blessedness. Okay. Grace and faith. Faith imputes righteousness to us, Romans 4.3, but grace will not impute our sins to us, Romans 4.8. Both are true. Faith, again, I want to repeat myself, but faith imputes righteousness, whereas grace does not impute sin. Okay? When, uh, I'm just using this as a supporting verse. <coughs> Excuse me, but Paul says in this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed us the word of reconciliation. God is not keeping score. Like I said, there's only two sides of the tracks. Either you're saved or not saved. You're born again or you're not born again. You have Christ or you're not born again. Or you, have, you do not have Christ. And if you have Christ, God's not imputing your sins to you. He's not imputing the sins to the whole world, but the whole world has not put faith in that grace. There's grace that he doesn't impute your sin to you. And that grace is offered to the whole world. But the gospel, the grace of God, is, a, is, available to, is the power of God to everyone who believes. But everyone's got to believe. It's available, but you have to believe it. And, and if he's going to not impute your sins to you, in other words, like I use the credit card illustration, if you charge a card to your credit card, charge a transaction to your credit card, that transaction is charged to your account, and someone else comes along and pays your bill for you, so you don't have to pay that bill. If you don't, if you go to the bank and say, you know what, I don't recognize this person paying your bill. You know, well then you go pay your own bill. You know, uh, but God is not, God is not imputing our sins to us. Why is he not imputing our sins to us? Because verse 21 says, for he made him God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sent for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
God did a reconciliation of the books, and God declared, uh, made Jesus our sin, our debt. He imputed all of our sins to Jesus, and he gave us righteousness. It's like Jesus had a million dollars, and we had a million dollars in debt, and God just reversed it. He gave Jesus our debt, and he gave us his million dollars. Okay, he reversed it. God did that. God made this happen. That we can become, that we can be born of the righteousness of God in him. That's the reconciliation that's taking place here. God supplied the grace through the cross of Jesus Christ, but we don't have to, we have to believe it to receive it. Okay? It goes back to, by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. You cannot save yourself. You cannot redeem yourself. You cannot heal yourself. You don't have any power to do a miracle in yourselves. Okay? You can't do anything. It is the gift of God. It is the grace of God. But it's activated by faith. Okay? Grace and faith. Grace makes it available, but faith makes it a reality. Okay? God made salvation available to everyone. His grace is available to everyone. His impute, not imputing sin to us is available to everyone. Him imputing righteousness to us is available to everyone, but we receive it by faith. If you reject it, you reject it. But you can receive it. You can either receive it or you can reject it. If I give you a Christmas gift, if I give you a million dollars, if I give you a new, brand new car or truck, you can either receive it or you can reject it. The choice is yours. Okay? But it's available to everybody. Romans 4, go back to Romans. Does this blessedness and go back to David. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham, going back to Abraham, for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he, Abraham, was circumcised or uncircumcised? No, while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. God, what's he saying here? We're going to get into this a little bit more in just a moment, but... He's talk, Paul is talking to the, the Romans. He's talking to legalistic people who, who think that a Abraham was declared righteous because of his law-keeping ability of being circumcised. Abraham was circumcised, but he, we're going to find out in just a moment, he became circumcised after he was accounted for righteousness. He was accounted righteous while he was still uncircumcised. Okay, we're going to look at this a little deeper. Verse 11, and he received the sign of uncircumcision, we'll come back to that, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he, Abraham, might be the father of those who believe. Though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Verse 12, and the father of circumcision to those who do not only, who not only, Starting this again, verse 12. And the Father of circumcision to those who not only are others circumcision, but who also walk in steps of the faith which our father Abraham had whilst they're uncircumcised. What's he talking about? In these, in these three or four verses, Abraham was not righteous because he was circumcised, keeping the law, in other words. Abraham was circumcised because he believed. Okay? Abraham was only circumcised as a sign or a token that he is his belief. One of my examples for this is, you know, Sherry and I, when we got married, we have rings. She has a ring with a diamond on it. I have a, just a little gold band here. 
But at the same point in time, this ring does not make us married. This ring is a symbol that we are married. And my wife prefers, and she's adamant about it, that I wear my ring. She wants every, uh, sing, every single woman or prospecting woman out there to know that I'm taken. Okay? It's a sign. You know, we, we didn't just go to the jewelry store, exchange rings, and then declare ourselves married. No, there was another process of that. Okay? At the same point in time, it's a sign. There's other signs in our marriage and different things. Water baptism doesn't save you. It's a sign that you're saved. But it doesn't save you. Okay? Abraham was circumcised. And Paul makes a comparison in the book of Colossians with circumcision and water baptism. He compares them side by side. And they're basically the same, the same point. But we are circumcised in the heart through water baptism. But Abraham was circumcised because he believed. He was, he was only circumcised after he believed. After he was declared righteous as a sign of his belief. Okay? It was just a sign. It was just a token. It wasn't, it wasn't salvation itself. Going back to Romans. For the promise that he, Abraham, would be heir of the world, because that was the promise that God made to Abraham, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, being circumcised, but through the righteousness of faith. Okay? For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there is no question. In other words, what Paul is saying here, that... You know, if, if our salvation is made because we obey the law, then our faith is made void and the promise is made of no effect. And we are all men are most miserable. You know, and so if it's based on our, 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 what we do, if it's not based on our faith and His grace and it's based on what we do, then we are all most, faith is made void and the promise is made of no effect because none of us qualify. Not only is it available to all because God did it this way, and we and with the other way, nobody would qualify. And nobody would be saved. Everybody would be going to hell. Okay? The challenge with you trying to receive from God by your performance. That's what we're going. We're talking about experiencing faith. And we're going through this because righteousness is the foundation of our faith. And if we can understand righteousness, we can understand receiving God any day of our life. If we can understand how we receive salvation redemption, eternal life, we can understand how we receive healing, we can have miracles and whatever else we need. Okay? The challenge with you trying to receive from God because of your performance. Some people think they haven't received God because they're not performing well. You know, that's baloney, first of all. But two of all, you know, not, none of us are 100% all the time. I use the example of sports. Nobody in any sport, for baseball, for example, bats a thousand. Some of the best Athletes out there have stricken out, have gotten out, have fumbled the ball, have missed the basket. There's no sport athlete out there who is perfect 100% of the time. The best athletes have about a percentage of, of perfection, but they're not perfection. Okay? None of us are 100% of the time. You cannot perform well enough to earn God's salvation, to earn God's blessing, to earn God's answer to your prayers. You could not perform enough. Okay? If it was by performance, then you and I would it'd be like, you know, trying to jump over the Grand Canyon. I don't care how, you might be the best long jumper in the world, but you cannot jump over that Grand Canyon. We would all fail. But it's not based on performance. It's based on God's 
grace. And when we put faith in his grace, everyone has an opportunity. Everyone can be like a David, and we are going to believe God. Okay? In other words, even uh, David says this in Psalm 39, verse 5, Barely every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Going back to Romans. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are the law, but also those who are of the sake of Abraham, who is the father of us all. <coughs> you know, and this is where some people think it's not about, it's just about faith or it's just about grace. No, it's faith so that it might be through grace. So that is available to all of us. I just talked about how, because it's by this way, everyone has a chance. Everyone can believe God. Everyone can receive salvation. And everyone can receive uh, the, the works of salvation in their lives, healing, wholeness, and whatnot. Because it's by faith through Grace. Okay? Everyone receives grace. And that's what my other main point I'm trying to come across here. Everyone receives grace the same way. Everyone receives promises the same way. Everyone receives the answer to their prayers the same way. The next week I'm going to be talking about the law of faith. There's a law of gravity. Gravity does not, is not a respecter of persons. Gravity will work for you the same way it will work for someone else. You know, I heard a joke years back where Muhammad Ali was, was, was flying in an airplane. And the stewardess told him, the, the captain went on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the speaker and said, everyone to fasten their, their seatbelts. And the stewardess came by and Muhammad Ali didn't have his seatbelt on. And she said, uh, sir, and the captain asked everyone to put on their seatbelt. He put on your seatbelt. And he responded to the stewardess and said, well, Superman doesn't need a seatbelt. And she responded back to him, well, Superman doesn't need no airplane. And so, you know, um, grace is available to everybody. None of us has the ability to fly outside of a device like a helicopter, airplane, or some other type, type of bungee cord or whatnot that we're going to go leaping, you know, uh, ziplining or whatnot. But everyone receives grace the same way. Everyone, it's not based on your performance. Faith is not performance. Faith is believing God's, God's grace at his word. Faith is not a verb. Faith is a noun. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. The blessing comes not because you perform well, but because you believe well. Yet, if you believe well, you'll change your performance. Salvation comes by faith in His grace. Salvation righteousness comes by faith in His grace. Redemption, the promises come by faith in His grace. Healing, provision, miracles come by faith in His grace. Grace makes it available. Faith makes it a reality. Again, a key verse in this section is, Abraham believed God who quickened the dead. And calls the things which not as though they were. God speaks a word of life into a dead situation. Abraham had come to the end of himself. He had already tried Ishmael. He made a mess. And in chapter 16, he got, a, got into the flesh. And so, but God, or back, God speaks the word of life into a dead situation. And Abraham believed God. Even though he made a mess, 
he still believed God and was still accredited to him for righteousness. He made a mess in chapter 16, but in chapter 17, going into chapter 18, Isaac did come. Isaac wasn't, in other words, God, he did not abort God's promise because he messed up. Yeah, he didn't see a hair, but he did see the promise come as he continued to believe God. I, just, I think some people need to hear that. They realize this is true, but they've already brought it. They've already created this. Man. No wonder it's, it's God. It's over God. Well, Abraham messed up. And, you know, I believe one of the reasons why God uses Abraham as our example, because if Abraham can get it, anybody can get it. You know, going back to the beginning of Genesis 17, where this, this whole story comes, comes about, when Abraham, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am an almighty God. In other words, he's saying here, I want to cut it off in the middle of verse 1. He says, God appeared to Abraham and said, I'm the mighty God. I'm the many-breasted God. I'm the El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. I have so much sufficiency that you can't even consume it. But then he goes on to say, The remaining of the pastors walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and multiply you exceedingly. Because when you understand who God really is, is. God was revealing himself to Abraham as the almighty God. He was revealing himself to him. Okay. He's saying, I'm going to make a covenant between me and you. He's going to multiply us. He revealed himself, his nature to Abraham. And when you and I understand who God really is, Abraham was still learning who God was. And you come into a relationship with him. God wants us to come into a covenant relationship with him. When we do this, we will begin to see who God really is manifested in our lives. <coughs> Where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing the word of God. Having, and the word of God is not the heat. The word of God is a person. And his name is Jesus. And when you come into a relationship with Jesus, and you get to know who God really is, 1 John 3, 2 says you will be like him when you see him like he really is. When you begin to see who God really is, and you will see who God really is manifest in your life. Some of us are, are, are seeing God in a, uh, as a religious God. And we're not seeing him manifested because that's not who he is. And one says we're worshiping an idol and we don't even realize it. We think it's God, but it's not. It's a religious religious form of God. It's not God. Going back to verse 2. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. And then Abraham fell face down. I mean, I would too. And God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of many nations. In other words, that's why I created you, Abraham. It's not about you being the best you can be. It's not about you being a better you. It's about being who God has called, appointed, and anointed you to be. It's about who God has, has redeemed you to be. It's about who God has saved and graced you to be. It's not about you being a better you. It's about letting God be Lord in your life. It's about no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me in the life I now live. I live by the faith of God who loved me and saved me and gave himself for me. No longer should your name be called Abram. That's the verse we were at just a minute ago. 
but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. God spoke a word of life into a dead situation. And if you will believe his word, you will begin to speak the word that God said. You will begin to see who God is manifested in your life. I want to say that again. If you will believe, if God spoke a, a dead word, uh, God spoke a word of life into a dead situation. If you will believe his word, you begin to speak the word that God said, and you will begin to see who God is manifested in your life. Going back to our key verse for this section, God, Abraham believed God who quickened the dead and, and calls the things with not as though they were. And who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to what which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. See, when all hope was gone, Abraham continued to believe God. I've ministered a lot of people through the years who will quote a verse that says, um, sorry, I can't quote it right now. <laughs> when hope is deferred, it makes the heart sick. And they almost use that as a crutch to justify their pity. And I understand that. I've been there too. I'm not picking on anybody that I'm not picking on myself about. But the, 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 the verse continues saying, well, when the answer comes, it's like a tree of life. Abraham was waiting 25 years. I'm going to get there in just a second about this. And all hope was gone. But Abraham continued to believe God. He got, God gave him a word, and when he was 75, he gave him the same word when he's 90, and then also again when he's 99. 25 years this word was in the making. Okay? But when all hope was gone, he's now 99 years old. And he continued to believe God. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body how dead, now dead. And when he was about 100 years old, neither the deafness of Sarah's womb. If you are going to experience the same spirit of faith, you must learn, you and I must learn, that there are some things you focus on and there are some things you don't focus on. In other words, there are some things that you consider and there are some things that you do not consider. If we're going to walk in the same spirit of faith like Abraham, like David, like God did, like disciples did, then you must learn that there are some things you're not going to and there's something you're not going to consider. But instead, there are some things that you are going to focus on, you are going to consider. Abraham chose to only consider what God said. That means you've got to guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows issues of life. You've got to guard your heart when your mind is going to consider. You can't be on Facebook all day. You can't be in the news and the medical research all day. You've got to consider what God said. It goes on to say in verse 20, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Three things cause unbelief, and I'm not going to go into detail about these today, but they can all be summed under these three categories. What will cause unbelief. Because Andrew Womack will say, it's not a faith problem, it's an unbelief problem most of the times. Three things that can cause unbelief. Lack of knowledge, 
the circumstances that are contrary to the word of God and religious teaching. Jesus said, by your traditions you make the word of God of no effect. There are some things you cannot consider. There are some teachings. There are some schools of thought that you cannot consider. When God speaks a word, you have to believe that God, God above everything else. That's when that's the only thing you're going to consider. Okay? Sometimes circumstances will look at you, scream at you, say, It is not so. Look at my body. Look at my circumstances. Look at my lab report. Look at my bank book. But you have to say, No, it is so. Why? Because this is what God says. Sometimes religion will preach, It is not so. But you have to say, no, that is what God says. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, what God had promised, God was able to perform. It's not that what God had promised Abraham was able to perform. No, he already tried that with Ishmael. It's whatever God, he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, God was able to perform. If you will choose to only consider what God said, it will be no problem to be fully persuaded. The reason many people are not fully persuaded is because they are considering the wrong things. The reason some people are not fully persuaded is because they are focused on the wrong things. They're considering, they're focused on the wrong things. We're talking about experiencing the spirit of faith. I don't want to just talk about faith. I don't want to but folks, Christianity is supposed to work. This faith thing is supposed to work. We live by faith. And we should be experiencing the spirit of faith. God speaks a word of life into a dead situation. The word creates hope. And you and you know the word hope means the, uh, positive expectation of good, expectation of good. You choose to believe the word of God. You choose to believe the word that God said, and you choose only to consider what God says. <coughs> when you do this, you build on a foundation of righteousness, which Romans 4 is talking all about. Because, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness, now it was not written for his sake alone, now it is, it, it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe in him that raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who has delivered us from our offenses, it was to raise again for our justification. When you believe on Jesus, you are made the righteous God in Christ Jesus. And once you receive righteousness by faith, righteousness becomes the foundation in your life for receiving all the promises of God. I don't know if you get this. This is so huge. But you can understand Righteousness. Righteousness becomes the foundation to receive all the promises of God. Receiving salvation, receiving righteousness is the greatest miracle of all. And Jesus said, I mean, God, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, that he who did not spare his own son, how will he not, will he not also give us all things? Because the same way that you receive Christ is the same way that you walk in him. Walk in being established in the faith. The same way you receive salvation, righteousness, is the same way you receive your prayers answered. You receive your healing. You receive your provision. You receive your miracles. You receive 
whatever you need, whatever God's called you to do, whatever God's called you to go, and whatever God's called you to say. You receive it the same way. It's the foundation. And when you get the foundation right, you can build this puppy. You can do you can do this thing. This thing will work. If you are not established in righteousness, when you are trying to when you are trying to believe God for something you're praying for, then the devil will remind you what you did wrong. You don't deserve it. You won't earn it. God's not going to answer your prayer. And he just shipwrecked your faith. He'll put the focus on you instead of on Jesus and what God said. And your faith becomes shipwrecked. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Your focus on what he has done. Your eyes on what he has said. The word of God. Believe in what God has said to you. And you'll be saved with God said. When you are believing the word of God spoke to you, when you are speaking what God has said, his word, you'll be on the road to receiving that all that God has for you. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. I want to close reading from Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54 says this, See no barren one, barren you who have no, not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, and you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. You know, some of you, I use this because some of you feel like you're barren in the sense that your prayers have not been answered. You've been crying out to God, you've been seeking God, you don't know why it's not working. And it's time to sing. It's time to shout. It's time to break forth and sing. What are you going to sing? Well, you're going to sing what God said. You know, it, said, it says in uh, Exodus chapter 14, I think it is, when uh, uh, Israel, uh, Israel had already crossed over the Red Sea. And it talks about the song of Moses and how Moses and the children of Israel began to sing. And I heard a message from David Wilkerson back in the day, and he talked about how they sang the right song, but on the wrong side. They should have been singing that on the other side of the river, of the, of the sea. Yet alone, praise God, they were singing. And that's a beautiful song. If you've ever read the song of Moses, it's a beautiful song. But it's time to sing, folks. Because enlarge, it says, enlarge your tent, and let, your, let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare, lengthen the cords, and straighten your stakes. For you shall stand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabitants. Folks, we are talking about experiencing the spirit of faith. That's just something we're talking about. It's not just something religious. This is something that we experience. And some of you are not experiencing this. You believe it, but you're not experiencing it. And we have the spirit of faith, and that spirit speaks. <coughs> Lord, we worship you. We magnify you. Lord, help us to walk in this. Not just something we talk about. But Lord, we will talk about it until we see it. We will talk about it after we see it. We're going to talk the things of God. Teach us to not only learn this in a, in a lesson like this, but Lord, I, my prayer is that we begin to walk in these things. We begin to experience the Spirit God bless you guys. We'll see you at 6 o'clock in just a, in a couple hours, and we'll see you as we talk about everyone's change. Right. God bless you guys.